Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back into the Fourth Man Pod. Thank you guys for joining us again. As always, I'm Anthony, and I'm alongside the best Big Three account in the entire universe, Big Three News, aka Will. Happy to be back because we have a great episode today. We're seeing the Big Three getting on social, doing their thing, and starting to post and kind of get people hyped up. But first and foremost, to my great co-host Will, how you doing over there? I'm doing fantastic. Um, I will tell you what, though. I'm actually not doing fantastic. <laughs> um, I'm actually very sick. And I know when you tell people that you're sick in the middle of a pandemic, that raises some eyebrows. That raises a little bit of alarm bells. Two eyebrows. Rest assured, rest assured, I do not have the Rona. I do not have Corona, COVID-19, Rona, Modelo, whatever you decide to call it. I do not have it. Uh, I think I have something in some form of an allergy uh, to something hopefully to the change in weather. That is my medical diagnosis. Um, but needless to say, you know, the stars were a little bit, what is the opposite of aligning? De-aligning? Messy? De-aligning. Well, basically, it's almost like the stars were aligning for chaos, where, you know, if, if you're uh, looking at the title of this video or if you're not viewing this basically on anywhere but Dash, you know that this is probably our one of our biggest interviews. I mean, this is a top five interview today. No doubt. So uh, I'm confident since that we are recording this after the interview, I'm confident that this was my flu game. Oh, hundred percent. You killed it. I, 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 we both killed it. So let's not, you know, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. We both killed it. And I am probably going to be asleep in 15 minutes. So congratulations to both of us. Yeah. Um, this is a big three podcast, so let's talk about the big three. 100%. But before we even do that, as always, if you want to find the show on social, it's at Fourth Man Pod and obviously at Big Three News. And if you want to find my personal handle, it's at A underscore Siggy. And for those of you tuning in on Dash Radio on the Nothing But Net channel for the first time or for the second, third, or fourth, fifth time, we appreciate you guys as always listening on there. And the people from the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's the people who have tuned in every time, every single week on Dash Radio, whether it be on our original nights on Wednesdays or or now on our our scheduled nights on Saturdays. We appreciate it, nonetheless. And like we'll say, we got a great interview. But let's talk Big Three first because the Big Three is starting to kind of ramp up their posting a little bit and their excitement and anticipation for the league that took a break this past year because of the pandemic. And a big question they ask is, who do you want to see? They they put a post with about seven players on there who a lot of them we speculated on. You know, our guy Shane 2K has done a few big three pleas on. And yeah, it's just kind of, I, I figured, you know, let's, or we kind of figured together, let's dive into these guys. Let's see how, if there's potential opportunity for these guys. And, you know, maybe some names that we haven't heard of or been excited about. You know, I feel like a lot of people that uh, in the comment section were talking about a couple of these guys that we haven't really hyped up too much. So let's start first and foremost, I guess, with our guy, Dwayne Wade, who we've continuously yeah, and, talked about. And I about. guess too, before we even, absolutely. And so before I even respond to Dwayne Wade, for people who are listening at home, if you want to see what it is we're talking about, just go to the Big Three's IG page. And as of about you know seven o'clock at uh, night on December 4th, this was the last thing the Big Three posted. Yep. So just check out, it's just a collage of all these players. But yeah, Dwayne Wade, I mean... You know, we've said it before, so I'm not going to retract too much. But, you know, I think this is his offseason. And I think that it, I'm I'm happy that the big three recognizes. I think this is likely. I think, dare I say, I think this is going to happen. Ooh. I I have to agree with you. I, I'm feeling more and more confident. Now, depending on the situation we have in the summer of 2021, makes the situation a little bit volatile. But nonetheless, I think there's... Just like we talked about Melo a couple off seasons ago, I think this is this is the summer of Dwayne Wade. So we'll continue to yeah. monitor his status. 
A few other guys. They... But I'll tell you what, though. I'll tell you what, and I'm glad you brought up Mellow because I wanted to bring that up. Um, I think that Mellow was always, well, is he going to go to the – he should use the big three to get back to the NBA, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Wade, the alternative – so we knew Mellow was playing basketball, but it almost made it less likely because the NBA was in the mix. Um, Wade, I don't believe Wade's going to go back to the NBA. I don't think he has plans to. Yeah. Really, I think at this point, it's between the big three and TBT. And as we saw with a couple of guys, and most recently Michael Cooper, who's going to be coaching the TBT, I think it's in some guys' plans to maybe do both. Yeah. So how those seasons are going to overlap, we don't know because the big three hasn't uh, made their season official, nor has the TBT. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's absolutely, I think it's likely. I think, I think it's, it's a good cards. sign that the big three recognizes that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, Michael Cooper is going to be coaching the New Mexico alumni team, which is going to be super cool to see. But it's also going to be cool if he's coaching, you know, a big three team, opposite ends of the spectrum there. So we'll see how that all plays out there. Speaking of another guy named Michael, when we recently just did a big three play on, Michael Beasley. Michael Beasley is a name that I've continued to see people hype up. We've seen more video about him hooping and going one-on-one against a lot of guys. What do we think of Michael Beasley's chances, you know, as we get closer to the end of 2020? Yeah, I mean, if I'm being honest with you, I think Michael Beasley belongs on an NBA roster. Me too. I mean, you know, people forget how young he is. I mean, is, is he 30? 30, you 31, know? something like that. I mean, 30, 31. That's just, early so, stages of his 30. I mean, if, if he joined the big three, I think he would, I think he would be an incredible player. I think all he would have to do is uh, – you know, just get the ball either in the post or it's also to somebody that can sort of bring it out, bring it out, um, you know, handle the ball a little bit. But I, honestly, I, you know, Michael Beasley, I think, is somebody that we've known players have communicated with in the past about joining. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed like it was trending towards the right direction before the 2020 season got canceled. So, again, I don't know where he's at in his life. I don't know what players are, you know, I don't, I, who was it, who was it specifically that was in contact with him? Was it Jamar Johnson? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I think basically, you know, at this point too, a lot of international, you know, even like in Asia, I don't know what's going on with the CBA. I don't even know if the CBA is happening right now. Um, but you know, I, I think the big three becomes a lot more because of everything that's happened. I think the big three becomes a lot of a better, uh, option for people, especially people, especially Americans, right? Especially people who have family in the United States and who are looking to play. So I think Michael Beasley is very, I think Michael Beasley is very likely. I think Michael Beasley, it would behoove him to join the big three because I think it would be a legitimate shot at a platform to return to the NBA on some sort of, uh, you know, minimal contract. Here's what I like about Michael Beasley and his chances and why I think the big three is very suiting for him. We obviously know what's what kind of offensive bag he's got, whether it's back to the basket, one-on-one, whatever the case may be. He's able to stretch the floor, whatever. I think this is a good opportunity for him to improve his defense. We know how hard defense is in this league. You're really one-on-one on an island in here. Whether it be on the ball or off the ball, let's improve that thing because we know how much uh, three and D players are are highly rated in the NBA. You know, We know how many yeah. teams like versatility and for guys to be able to switch – from guards to, to bigs. And I think Michael Beasley has a chance to do that if he continues to improve his game defensively as, as well as it is offensively. So I think that's a lot of what the big three could offer for Michael Beasley if he were to join. I think I think it would really help him continue to broaden his game a little bit and be more of an asset for NBA teams that, you know, just as recently as the yeah. bubble, the Brooklyn Nets, you know, if he doesn't test positive for COVID, yeah. Who knows what could Oh, he's, he's on that yeah. team, and he, he's getting legitimate minutes on that team. And I think that from a big three perspective, Michael Beasley is somebody that you either you can build a team around, um, or he is most notably or definitely the second option on a championship big three team. Yes, I think so too. For sure. No doubt in my mind. I think so too. I'm not going to say you can build a team around him because I've never seen him in the big three. Um, and I would say that about most people who have never played in the big three. But Michael Beasley's for sure the second option. If your second best player is Michael Beasley, then you're a championship contender. In my yes, mind. I agree. I think if a guy like if he joins a team like Three's Company, that's a team that you look out for to make a championship run. Yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. 
Another guy they listed on here was recent retiree Andrew Bogut. Andrew Bogut's an interesting name for the big three. I think it's someone that we might have hinted at before. Maybe you brought up his name once in a conversation. But Andrew Bogut feels like he'd be the perfect big man to join. His ability to facilitate, uh, rebound, play defensively. I haven't seen him play in a few years, obviously. And he was playing in Australia when LaMelo Ball and RJ Hampton were there. But... I think he won. He won MVP, or, or maybe he won a championship. He won an MVP, I think. Australia recently. Yeah, it's not last year. He won recently, but I yeah. really like the idea of Andrew Bogut in the league. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what, I like it too, Anthony. But I don't see it happening. I don't. I don't think I do either. I I have a major hesitation with these foreign guys, well, you know, and even Andrew Bogut, Australian. I just feel like, you know, it's the summer, so I mean, maybe he's going to escape the winter in Australia and he's going to come, but you know, that's, that's a, that's month long commitment, you know? So I feel like someone that isn't maybe primarily living in the United States. I don't know what Andrew Bogut's living situation is like, but I would imagine most recently he was playing in Australia. So I'd imagine that he's living there with his family. I don't well, know. He went back you home. Know? He retired from the NBA to go back home and play in right. Australia. So I have to imagine that he's probably not looking to get up and go somewhere just for the summer to play. Who knows? Maybe he gets the itch to play basketball. I don't know how these guys feel if they retire and are like, oh, I'm just done with basketball. I just don't love the game anymore, or at least preparing to play anymore. Or maybe it's right. just like I, I feel like I can't play as many games. But I think Andrew Bogut's unlikely, but it would be fun to see him in the league for sure. And he would, No, it would, it would definitely be fun. One guy a lot of people, and I think this is probably the name that we saw the most in the comment section today of this big three post was the great Manu Ginobili. Manu. And another guy I feel like is a little unlikely. And, I, and I've, I think I've seen, even before this post, a lot of people would be like, oh, we'd love to see the big three of Manu, Tony Parker, and Tim Duncan. We obviously know how Kenyon Martin feels about Tony Parker at this point. He, that would not right. be the first question he asked him. But Manu, I, Correct. and I think Manu would be great in this league too. But I think he's another guy that, unfortunately, as many people that want to see him, it's a little bit unlikely that he'd be in the big three. Could be wrong, and I hope I am wrong. But well, I mean, let me see. I mean, judging off of Manu Ginobili's uh, recent Instagram activity, I think he's still in the United States. Is he? I mean, let me see this because he does a lot of like hiking stuff. It's like that one thing's in Colorado, and then where is this? This is in. Texas. So he appears to be at least he was on a extended vacation in the United States going hiking to all these different national parks and everything. Like this picture is him with Tim Duncan who we know was in the United States because he was with the Spurs. So Maybe that's it's somebody not as who, unlikely. That that's someone who I almost would say that this is more likely than Andrew Bogut. Okay, I was going to say because I think Manu, because you know, I mean, I can only go off of what they're doing right now. And Manu Ginobili is in the United States. Bogan, I don't believe he is. And especially with all these COVID travel restrictions, yeah. maybe that's why Manu's in the United States because he got, you know, quote unquote, stuck here. Um, and then maybe, you know, the big three will be happening right around when things start to open back up again. And then he's just going to be like, I'm going to go home to Argentina because I haven't been there in a while, maybe. But, you know, him making that, that travel or anybody, especially like Australia, but even Argentina making that travel every week, you know, just for a big three, a big three game. And then going back, seems a little yeah. unlikely what those people are going to do. So, but I mean, if Manu's in the United States, I, I would yeah, love why to not? see Manu. If you're stuck here, might as well be He's hooping. one of my favorite players of all time. Yeah, I love Manu. I, uh, he, I love Manu so much. So he, he would be fantastic addition. So that's one that I'm really hoping happens. Yes. But my same thing with Bogut. I don't know. So the four other guys that they put on this post are guys that we've, touched on at some point throughout the show and especially throughout our speculation season mm -hmm. since 2019. Jamal Crawford, J.R. Smith, Lance Stevenson, Vince Carter. Out of those four, who do you feel like is the most likely? I think Lance. I, I think, think Lance so is, is pretty close, close to uh, a done deal. I think Vince... I think Vince is going to be a TV guy. I think. So I don't think he's really looking to play. You know, mm -hmm. he's also too, he, he would be one of the older players in the big three already. Yeah. Like right uh, off the jump. JR. I think JR is a, a, a good 
uh, name definitely to put out there, but I just, I've never heard anything about JR from anybody that we've talked to. You know, I, I've heard things about other people that we've mentioned on this list, but no, no one's ever brought up J.R. Smith. So it's very possible he's just one phone call away or maybe somebody who's going to be a captain. You know, like, like for instance, right, Did have we ever heard anything about Mo Spates before he was named a captain of Bivouac? No, no, we did not. But No, we didn't. So, so that's definitely something. So it's definitely likely, but I've never heard anything about J.R. And I still think that at this time, the aspirations are probably to play in the NBA. Just like Jamal. And then as far as, right. And then as far, right. And so then that's the other thing too. Jamal Crawford, I was under the impression that Jamal Crawford was going to be a Brooklyn at this season. That's what it seemed like it was looking like. Um, I think Jamal Crawford even like, I don't want to misquote the guy, but I thought there was at least almost something where somebody was like, oh, we'll see you next season. Like after the bubble, like about Jamal Crawford, Jamal Crawford's like, I'll see you guys next season. And everyone was like, all right, so Jamal Crawford's coming back. But I don't see that does he not hasn't been signed yet, right? I mean, what was his deal that he no. signed with for the bubble? Just a rest of the season type contract? It was just a bubble contract, okay. yeah. And he hasn't been re-signed yet. And, you know, that could be he that the Nets are still trying to work out the, you know, current trades or free agent signings that they had going right. on. And they're not done deals yet or trying to figure out the paperwork for everything. But I would be... in. You know, the biggest thing about Jamal Crawford that we heard from Jamar Johnson was that he didn't want to come back after his last game with the Suns. He scored like 50 points. Okay, well, now his last game was with the Brooklyn Nets for five minutes or so. And while he definitely was showing flashes, it's definitely not the ending I think that he expected, especially signing just a bubble contract where he was expected to play, you know, probably a bigger role than than he could have for any other team, you know for the Brooklyn Nets in the playoffs. So I kind of, like, looking at those four, I kind of want to say Jamal Crawford just because if a team doesn't sign him and I still think he should be on an NBA team, I can't imagine that he wants to have his last game go from 50 points with the Suns to an injury debut five minutes into his Brooklyn Nets career and and just call it quits there. I could be wrong, but I kind of like Jamal Crawford's chances a lot more than I ever have speculating on them. I agree. I, I think the chances really increased based off of everything that happened with the Nets in the bubble for the exact reason that you said, and for the exact reason that DeMar told us yeah. uh, in the interview that we did with him a while back. So it'd be interesting to see. Maybe Jamal Crawford is just like, you know, I went out there, I got hurt. I don't want to do, I don't want to go through that again. Um, but he doesn't strike me as that type of guy. He, he strikes me as someone that's going to want to play, you know, so I, you know, I would love to see him in the big three. I think he's a very well-respected player. I think he's like one of the guys where I think he could go to any team, and we'd be like, "Oh, that makes sense because of the connection there." Yeah, you know, yeah. right? And you can't say that about a ton of guys. No, you can't. So it would be it would be absolutely awesome to see Jamal Crawford. And again, he's another one where I really hope that that happens because I think it would be a fun addition. You know? Yeah, I think so too. I think he just makes the league a lot more fun to watch. I think it, it brings a lot of eyes to the league. You know, a lot of jersey sales probably for Jamal Crawford. I'm oh, sure yeah. there's a lot of Jamal Crawford truthers out there and has been for a long time. But I do think Lance Stevenson is the biggest lock. His connection with Andre Owens, he just looks I like agree. he's going to be a future alien at some point. It's just a matter of when, yeah. not if. Kind of like Swaggy P with enemies and, and Gilbert Arenas. Isn't it funny that they didn't even put Swaggy P on the thing? Oh, I know. <laughs> That's how I feel like how much of a lock this he's is. He's probably, like, if you're looking at guys who were the closest to joining the big three, one through ten. Like, Swaggy P is, is number one. Swaggy P is number one. I, I my own person, my own head, I consider Swaggy P a member of the big three. Yeah, are you consider him a member of enemies? I'm just waiting for him to put on that jersey. Yes. A hundred and ten percent. It's happening. I think he's going to be a co-captain. I think he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I also think, too, that if they do bring the announcement of him joining before the reality show, if, if they do plan to still do that, I think he'd be a perfect fit for that reality show. Oh, that's where I hope he makes his debut. <laughs> yeah. That would be fantastic. Yeah. And we, we talked about that with Josiah a little bit about how um, just incredible, like those personalities would be because that's someone who just doesn't give yeah. a fuck, you know? Yeah, it doesn't They're give not, a fuck. It, it would be <laughs> not, so it would, it would be awesome to see. Yep. Uh, for sure. 100%. And and listen, we're still, that's what we hope, you know, I was really hoping that 
the first half of this episode will be us breaking down the big three announcement uh, that Jeff teased last week, but it hasn't come yet. Yeah. Uh, so with our luck, it'll come out when the episode debuts tomorrow. Yeah. That. Uh, so maybe we'll have to do an emergency episode. I don't know. But, you know, I, I'm just hoping that that announcement gives us something that we can sort of latch on to for a little bit. Yeah, me too. But maybe, hey, maybe Jeff's saving us some news for Christmas. Maybe that's his Christmas present. From I hope so. I hope so, us. man. You know. Hey, 2020 hasn't been so great. Guess what I got you guys, though? A whole box of news. <laughs> so, anyways, we'll just kind of have to continue to watch out. It looks like the big three is continuing to post more because they are getting ready to announce something. So, hopefully, it's a case. It I would like, turn on those like notifications. getting the engines revved up. Yeah, yeah, so if you're a fan of the league, I would turn on those notifications. Make sure you got that bell on so, you know, whenever they post, you can be ready for some exciting news. But... That's all we got for you at the first half of this. We have a great interview with Josiah Johnson. Most of you guys know him as King Josiah 54, the meme king, king of NBA Twitter, whatever the case may be. Had a great sit down with him, and we were super appreciative of him to be able to spare some of his time and talk with us. Thank you guys again for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to our podcast on, and of course on YouTube, likes and videos. And please, please, please. We're begging for feedback. We love feedback. Yes. It Please only betters us. Something. Comment, leave a review, whatever the case may be, good, bad. We just want to continue to be able to put out the best content for you guys. So, Well, let's, let's do this, too. If you don't really have anything to comment, you're like, I'm fine with everything it is, um, tell us some guys who you would love to see join the Big Three. Yes. And that could be somebody that perhaps is joining next year or in five years or in 10 years. You know, if you want to see John Morant in the big three, let us know. <laughs> that would be an interesting, that would be an interesting talking point. You know, it all comes out tomorrow. I've decided to retire from the Grizzlies early on in my career. Is he even old enough? I'm just thinking that John Morant's not even old enough. Is he? I've just, I, I think they would make an exception. He's like, I've decided that in three years, I'm going to retire and go ahead and join the big three. So let's make these the best. That's thing. like in 2k. You're, you ever retired early in 2K? <laughs> I've always seen that option. I'm like, like, I'm just bored. I'm just bored of this. There's nothing left to offer me. <laughs> and you played 14. It's games. like rather than start, <laughs> rather than start a new career, let's just go ahead and click the retire button and just never turn this thing back on. Yeah, exactly. No, but please leave feedback. We love it. You know, comment on any of the social pages on YouTube, and let's get to the Josiah Johnson interview. Today, we have the absolute pleasure of being joined by producer, content creator, writer, and internet royalty, King Josiah 54. Appreciate you coming on, chopping it up with us. How are you doing over there? I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate what you guys are doing, and thanks for uh, letting me come on the show and come and kick it with y'all. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, We're sir. super hyped up for this. And let's just start kind of with a general question here. You kind of have a story career, you know, already up to this point, you know, son of a former NBA all-star played basketball at UCLA and now you're producing content and, and creating it everywhere. But looking back, you know, going into UCLA and you're getting ready for school and about to play basketball. What did you envision for your career? Do you, could you have ever imagined like it ended up being this way or is this kind of all how you always thought it would go? I mean, obviously, I think, you know, going into college, everybody kind of, you know, has the dreams of going to the NBA and being the next LeBron or MJ or whatever it may be. But for me, I kind of learned very quickly. I was playing with guys like Matt Barnes and Dan Gazzarich and Jason Capono and just, you know, Earl Watson, like, you know, playing with like 13, 14 pros. And you got to really see the difference between like what my body and my skill set look like versus like what a pro body and a pro skill set look like every day in practice and in games and stuff like that. So. For me, I kind of knew somewhere along the lines that, you know, I might be able to go play overseas or go do something like that, but I wasn't going to have a, you know, a long career in basketball. So I'd always been fascinated and interested in entertainment. Grew up in Los Angeles, obviously got to have a lot of experiences growing up to really kind of open my eyes and show me that world. So had always been interested in that. Didn't really know how, you know, how I was going to get into what I was going to do. I think from the basketball standpoint, I had opportunities to maybe go play in like France where I kind of got citizenship in places like that. But, you know, I saw my older brother do that. He was kind of a vagabond internationally played in Russia, Turkey, uh, Lebanon, you know, just literally all over. And it was a great experience, but it was almost like, you know, we didn't get to see him seven, eight months out of the year. So I didn't really want to sacrifice and leave the States and be in a, a place where I don't speak the language and, you know, right. I'm part French, but I know French people are assholes and that's not, you know, <laughs> I, I've been there enough times to know it's, it's a real thing. It's, it's not, not like you're speaking the truth. 
They're just assholes. <laughs> one uh, one day in Paris, I spent and I instantly got that vibe. As soon as you get off the plane, it's like, okay, well, it's not anything yeah. like the states here. <laughs> They're not bad people, but it's like almost kind of like they're all like New Yorkers or whatever. Like going people who just like have no time or patience for anything that you have have to do or whatever, <laughs> no consideration. So I didn't, I know I didn't want to do that. So I kind of realized that UCLA, probably my second year, I'd, I'd worked super hard in the off season, worked out with Jason Capono all off season, got my body right, and then you know literally just played a little bit. And I was kind of you know in on the bench, and I was like, all right, well, I got I got to get my life together, figure some other shit out. Thankfully. You know, I was I was interested in entertainment, things like that. And and that experience being a bench room at UCLA got me a TV show on Comedy Central. So I'd say I made the most of it. I think that's what I encourage everybody to do in life. Like you may not be the starter or, or, or play the whole game, but make the most of whatever situation you're in. 100%. Yeah, so I guess, too, so let's talk about that. So I was put on to your content, which I think a lot of other people with on Comedy Central, uh, Legends of Chamberlain Heights. When that show was on, I absolutely loved that show. Um, what sort of is the background into, cause I can, I can imagine it's probably not easy. So what is that like getting a cartoon together and getting it on, you know, a cable network and things like that? What, what goes on behind the scenes? I mean, to be honest, everybody sees it and they see like the show came on in 2016, first season we aired after South Park, they see that moment, but they don't realize we had worked on the thing for like nearly a decade. Like, honestly, we had, we had started like uh, a little bit after I graduated college, I graduated in 05, I think we started like 09 ish. Like, you know, we had, I was running a web, website with a couple of my buddies called Jersey Chaser. We were, we were doing a lot of off-kilter content, you know, a lot of stuff you kind of see in the NBA Twitter space now, but it was, you know, years and years ahead of its time. So that stuff performed well. And then we ended up getting the attention to some guys that worked in animation. And they, you know, they, you know, guy Mike Clements, who had a company with Tom Werner. And Tom Werner's the man, obviously, owns the Red Sox, you know, you know, Liverpool, just, you know, big bank, big stack. But so they reached out, sent us a cold uh, email to the to the the website account. Saw a video that we had posted. We did like a LeBron and Kobe puppet parody for Nike when they were supposed to meet each other in the finals. We made it like super raunchy. We were big LeBron guys at that point. So dropped that video. They got in contact with us. Turns out Mike lived like a mile away from where we live. We were still in UCLA, kind of living our glory days out. You know, after after college, kind of adjusting to the real world and life and things like that. So ended up meeting with them. Pitch the idea, you know, they they initially like presented us an idea on LeBron James and trying to do a show around him. We we're kind of like, uh, you know, like LeBron is too concerned with his his brand and things like that. He's not going to let us, you know, be out of pocket and get as ridiculous as we want to get. <laughs> so we pitched them just on the concept of like, what, you know, we sat on the bench at UCLA. We used to like, you know, be at these games talking shit and just hanging out and doing whatever. Their eyes lit up. So this was like 2009. From there we get. Uh, Michael Starberry, who's one of the most talented writers in the game, he was nominated for an Emmy for When They See Us with Ava DuVernay. I just did a show with them called uh, Colin in Black and White on, on Colin Kaepernick is coming out. But this is like 2010, Starberry was making his name on the comedy side, had a, a pilot at Comedy Central, so they ended up linking us up with him. He came in and helped us develop the show, really, you know, make it a show, take a, take an idea, really make it a show. Then we went out, you know, started pitching it. Started in 2009, we didn't pitch it till 2013. So if that gives you some context of how long this shit takes, like didn't pitch it till 2013. Comedy Central loved it, bought it. From 2013 to like 2015, we, we developed the show, put together a pilot, everything like that. By 2015, the pilot was ready. Comedy Central loved the pilot, ordered a series. And then we started production, I think in the summer of 2015 to air in 2016. Ended up getting two seasons, it was the time of my life. I think I'm sad now because I've got I've got such a big following in the NBA Twitter space and, and the NBA Twitter community has grown so much. The show is probably two or three years ahead of its time. So we kind of, you know, if it was operating now in this window, I think the out-of-pocketness and, and how ratchet we would be able to get with it would have been off the charts. But here we are. I'm actually really gr- glad you brought that up because that was a question that I had written down I was going to ask you because when you watch that show, even now, it's so similar. It's almost eerily similar to the comedy that's on NBA Twitter. Like the scene for me from that show that always, uh, you know, uh, that I always think of is with Matt Barnes and Derek Fisher when they're like killer robots and they're like fighting each other and everything. And I feel like that was, I feel like, again, I think you were absolutely ahead of its time. Do you think that, you know, maybe not a re, you know, a rerun of Legend of Chamberlain Heights or bring that back, but maybe a different show? Do you ever think of maybe giving it another shot, given the fact how big NBA Twitter has become? I think, look, deep, deep down in the bottom of my heart, I would love to see Legends come back. But, you know, the entertainment game is the game. I don't know if you guys saw that Chappelle special that, that just came out recently, yeah. but where he kind of goes into the, the inner workings of the game. So the game is the game. You know, we do not own that show anymore. I would love to be able to take it to somewhere like an HBO Max or somewhere, you know, in the streaming platforms now that, 
you know, people are tuned in and, and, you know, really as a, you know, you can find whatever topics you want to watch in a niche setting, but yeah, I'm always working on stuff. I've got a few things in the, in the hopper right now that, that, that I'm super, super excited about. Like I said, I just, I did a show with Netflix. That's more on a dramatic side, but uh, looking at Colin Kaepernick's life in high school and uh, got some stuff developed in the comedy space, got an animated project that I'm working on. So I'm definitely trying to get back. I have some things in that space with some people that are well-respected in the community. So I'm hoping that we can get this thing together and uh, 2021 should be a, a solid year. That's awesome. Yeah, 100 percent. I definitely think we got some big things coming in 2021 after a, a pretty tumultuous year uh, here in 2020. You said you're working on something with, uh, in terms of the Colin Kaepernick docuseries that's supposed to release at some point here, I think in the near future. I know you probably can't say too much about it, obviously, because it has been released. But what's it like working with? you know, someone like Ava DuVernay, who over the you know, past few years has really come onto the scene, uh, you know, people like Michael Starberry and, and, and that bunch. I mean, Ava, honestly, is, is one of the most, you know, she's a UCLA Bruin like myself. I've always just envied her and looked up to her and just loved her story and the way that she was able to to do her things. But I think the thing that's really missed with Ava is how much she gives back and how much she's willing to, you know, give opportunities to the people who normally wouldn't get the opportunities, tell stories that normally wouldn't get the opportunity to be told. So what she's been able to do with the Ray Filmworks, her production company is really just honestly tremendous. So to be able to work with her and see her on a daily basis and just see what goes into, you know, it's kind of like going into the sausage factory and seeing how everything is made and put together. It's just like, you know, tremendous. And then obviously Michael Starberry, who's a buddy of mine, it's funny, we worked on Legends, which was obviously comedy out of pocket. This was a lot more serious. It's not It's not a docu-series, it's a, a limited series. So it's literally, uh, you know, scripted. It's a scripted series that takes place, uh, looks at Colin's life in high school. So I think, you know, a lot of people think it's more documentaries. Like it's not, it's all, it's all just kind of, you know, dramatization. I think they've kind of been beefing up the cast now. So they've got all that crew in place, but even being able to work with Colin, I think Colin is a, a tremendous human being, a, a guy who I respected. It's funny, in, in 2016, I remember being at the Comedy Central Emmy party. This was probably like a week or two after you first started kneeling and uh, literally rocking the cap jersey and kneeling kneeling in the photo on, on, on press row. And it was, to me, it was just seeing the way that, you know, the risk he took and how, how important he thought it was and being able to sacrifice his career for something he believed in. Now, as we see as the years have gone on, it's kind of been exposed what was really behind all that. And, you know, talking about a guy's literally been blackballed by the NFL, you know, we can say whatever we want. You know, you'll see people on both sides. Well, he's not this or that. But it's like I've seen at least, you know, 15 starting quarterbacks in the league every year that he's not been in it, that he's better than that. You know, he'll be, you know, I mean, at least and that's just being conservative with the numbers. So to be able to help Cap tell his story. And I think this thing is going to be great because it's going to really show a side of him that a lot of people don't understand. And, you know, whether you love or hate him, you'll be able to get the perspective and understand who he was as a human being. But what he's been able to do off the field, you know, he's very, various charitable endeavors and just who he is as a man and as a human being. I think it, I I'm a better person for having met him and worked on this project. So I'm sincerely grateful to Ava, to Starberry, to, to Netflix, and just being able for me, like everybody sees me as, you know, the NBA Twitter guy that's just, you know, kind of funny jokes on, on the TL, but there's a lot more layers and, and deeper, deeper stuff to it. So I'm excited to be able to show the world that. No doubt. That's, that's super inspiring too. And, and really cool. I feel like, one thing that's really changed, at least here in 2020, is that we're really trying to, or I should say more people are really trying to take control of narratives or their own narratives or other people's narratives, which I think is cool because for so long, you know, there's media members and, and whoever else that's trying to pitch one thing or tell the best story. And it's like, that's not always the case. You don't really know the behind the scenes. So I think that's just another way that I, I, I think for Ava too, just with the Central Park Five um, series she did on Netflix and all the other products she's done, like you said, it's, it's really you're able to tell, you know, how much he's really trying to give back with everything. Um, one thing you did mention about working with uh, Michael, Michael Starberry was the two different times, types of tones that you've, you've had to work with them on, you know, more of a dramatic one and more of a comedic one. And you kind of already, you know, prepared yourself for that a little bit. You know, you said you were doing the, the Jersey Chaser um, website, and then you are, we're also working in, in the, the media field there for like NFL Network and, and Fox and what's that. What was kind of the, the, that like to like balance and juggle that, you know, a more of a comedic tone and then more of a serious tone and vice versa. What's funny, I was living like a, a dual life at one point. So I was doing like my square, like sports network life. So I started out at Fox Sports and NFL Network. So I'm working at NFL Network, love working there. Got a ton of great friends. I got a ton of tremendous respect for the league, even despite some of the things they've done, right? I can be on, on both sides of it. But I've worked with the NFL Network. I was there for like 10 years. So just, you know, I think for me, just being able to balance 
those two things. And while I was working, I was literally running Jersey Chaser, but it got to the point where Jersey Chaser just started out as like a fun thing me and a couple of former teammates did just as a way to bring balance to the force. To your point, we felt like, you know, as a kid, I never realized when you used to hear stories and stuff, they're always reported from a slant, right? Even now, like when you hear news break, Woj has his sources, Shams has his sources, Chris Haynes has his sources, Taylor Rooks has her sources, all these people, because I mean, shit, I have my sources. I'll hear about information before these people will and just kind of sit back and watch it happen, just depending on who you know and how comfortable they are with you and things like that. So that's how you kind of learn and know how news is disseminated. So to see the way, you know, narratives are distorted based on whatever, like you may hear a guy's a bad teammate because another guy's agent is is bitter at him for whatever it may be. And it's kind of the same way in Hollywood too. So I understand both of those sides, but, you know, learning the Jersey chaser stuff, and this is something I, I really implore and try and encourage a lot of young people who are trying to get in the game who are like, well, you know, how, how did you succeed or whatever? It's like, there's no right or wrong way to do it. But for me, it was always, even if you look at, at my Twitter following, I got to leverage the things that I can control that I can, be responsible for that I can do on my own that don't have any outside forces telling me when, how, why I should change this, do that or whatever. Because if I can build that, it'll give me the leverage that I'll need to succeed in any profession now. Like when I get jobs in social media and I meet with people, there's a respect already because they've already seen my content. I don't have to sell myself to them. I don't have to give them a resume per se. You know what I mean? Where I think a lot of people, you know, they don't realize that though. They're like, yo, that's why I'm on Twitter doing this stuff to really motivate and encourage people. And over the past month, I've really seen a lot of people, you know, trying to come into the space and do the same thing. And everybody's always like, oh man, everybody's imitating you. It's like, no, I don't give a shit, man. I think for me, it's like, I want to be entertained just like everybody else. I love seeing people's creativity, how their mind works. And I think we all have these great things in our brain. And that's kind of what socials become. That's like the new form of communication. Like back in like ancient Egypt, it was the hieroglyphics. Now it's like tweets and memes and emojis. And really you can say more with an emoji than you can you know, with, with a, you know, hundred word essay, whatever it may be. So Back. for me, it's just showing those people. And, you know, you live in a world, especially in Hollywood, where you kind of get typecast. And I think that's the brilliance of Starberry. Like Starberry could easily, especially as a black writer in the game, be like, oh, you can just do comedy. But no, he, he wrote and wrote and wrote and did a bunch of different stuff, wrote dramatic movies, wrote funny stuff. And for me, it's just funny seeing this dude because it's not like he's a stand-up comedian or anything like that, but his comedy and his j- jokes and tone will make you fucking laugh. And then his dramatic stuff will make you cry, literally. And it's literally, I'm looking at this dude, like, how do you get all these emotions out of human beings? <laughs> so it'll be, you know what I mean? Cause that's, you know, a yeah, lot yeah. of like, you know, but you look at somebody like a Kevin Hart, people like that, and they have a lot of, you know, skeletons and demons, you know, that they're trying to get out. So these things are jokes. Like you look at Chappelle's last thing. Yeah, you, you're laughing at points, but this is not like, this is like a therapy session, right? So it's being able to balance those two things and, and, and find the humor in life. And then, you know, on the other side as well. So. For me, it's just kind of learning that balance. I still got a lot to learn on the, on the dramatic side, but I try to read as many great writers as possible, try and watch as many good shows as possible, watch good shows, watch bad shows, just watch as much content to consume and see, and then also really monitor social trends. How are people responding, reacting to things? What's gonna be the next biggest meme? What is everybody talking about? Stuff like that. Yeah, I think that's yeah. vital in, in today's world and really you know, distributing comp, uh, content. And But also, I, you know, they always talk about copycat leagues and stuff. and you know, it really feels like the world's kind of its own copycat league. You know, you're kind of just building and, and, and branding ideas off each other. So I, th- I think it's incredibly vital. And I think social media is a good way to be able to do that. Yeah, for sure. I think you look at, that's the thing. You, you talk about copycat league, you look at like TikTok, right? And that's that's what TikTok is. Somebody does a dance, a million other people do the same dance. Everybody watches all million of those dances because they want to see how everybody did their own interpretation. I think of Dogface, I think Dogface 420, whatever his name was, with the, uh, you know, the cranberry juice yeah. and the skateboard. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That thing, you know, <laughs> but literally that, yeah. he, goes, he goes from like just being like a TikTok kind of lower level TikTok kind of to like a global sensation now where he's getting ocean spray deals and his life is completely so I think you know for me it's just the excitement of looking at that stuff so when I see like the you know the copycats or whatever like I encourage that thing I, I think everybody you know I, I like to say I'm like Elon Musk you can have the source code that doesn't mean that you have the source that doesn't mean you can you can accomplish what I do and there's a lot more that goes into it than just knowing like what funny meme or whatever you know what I mean it's knowing the emotions that you can get out of people and how to you know appropriately word those the proper copy basically things like you know I've worked on the social side and there's probably like you know five to 10 people at a particular company, like your favorite sports site has at least, you know, five to 10 people working a shift that have to do every single one of these things to manufacture the same thing that I can do in five minutes, you know, on my couch, you know, with my shoes off, just hanging out with my family while I'm just saying, oh, th- this news just broke, man. Let me get this, 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 this content out of this joke out or this piece of satire, whatever it may be. So I guess, so pivoting away from the entertainment industry and Anthony, I apologize. I'm going to steal your question. This is a question that Anthony always asks. But, we're, uh, hey, we're talking about how it's okay. 
You're right. Sure, that's right. So this is a copycat question. Uh, we've seen that you've been involved with the big three. So what, what's the story behind that? I saw you were on Inside the Film Room. What is your relationship with the big three? How'd that get started? Uh, for me, I've, I've, I've been a fan of the big three. I was initially skeptical when the, when the league first announced and it was no knock the Cube because I know everything Cube does is, is top rate. It was just more just, you know, I know people have tried various versions of this in, in years past and they always kind of just, you know, didn't hit the mark. But when, you know, when the league came out and, and they played the games and then, you know, the, just the, the mentality and the style of play and then seeing legends, I've always dreamed, like, I think we see it with, uh, you know, the, the Mike Tyson, Roy Jones fight that just happened. There's a market, obviously, for people who just want to watch their heroes kind of duke it out still. So to see guys like AI, Steven Jackson, just all these guys, Ryan Hollins, who's one teammate of mine at, at UCLA, you know, see these guys kind of have a, it's almost like the, like the PGA senior tour. Like, you know what I mean? You get, <laughs> right, to see, yeah. you get to see your like favorite guys go out there and hoop, but just the way that the games were structured, you know, the, the, the performances, the production value, all of that just came into play. And I think, you know, it was just a top rate, top notch league. So I'm like, as you know, I'm heavy in social. My thing with social is whatever's going on or trending, you know, you can find me generally on those corners working them. I like, you know, whatever the activity is that people are talking about. So I've seen the NBA was done, you know, summer leagues were kind of doing their thing, but the big three was consistently, you know, week to week giving you events. I think they were on, on, on back like Saturday, Sundays, whatever it was when they first mm -hmm. came out, but it was just like, you know, you had a good two, two and a half hour chunk of getting to see legends play against each other and honestly be competitive. I'm seeing guys like Gary Payton talking shit and, you know, like these, these dudes live for these moments. I don't like these dudes are so competitive. It doesn't matter if they're not playing in the league anymore, like whatever it is, a game of spades, dice. So to get them back on the court, talking shit to each other where they have the ability to embarrass each other for me is like, what, what more could you want as a basketball fan? So I'd actually put up a, uh, put up some, some various content just throughout the season. But remember I was watching the game when obviously, you know, Ricky Davis, who's, who's, who's a legend and one of the guys I, I deeply oh, respect for everything. Like straight, you know, he used to come play at UCLA in the summer. So I hate it had to be Ricky, but when Ricky <laughs> got got, you know, it was just like that, you know, that that's kind of what it was. And I was on a group chat with a bunch of buddies, uh, UCLA guys. And like, I mean, you gotta, you know, you gotta do something with this. So I'm thinking like, damn, this reminds me of Boys in the Hood. It was just that level. <laughs> So I went home, edited together the clip real quick, put it out. Thing ended up, you know, doing huge numbers. I think Cube ended up following me as a result of that. You know, Oliver Maroney, who was working over there at the time, and uh, uh, Brett Marcellus, who who's working over there. They, I think they reached out and they were just like, look, like, you know, you, we're, we're big fans of your work. Would you want to come in and, and just take a look at some clips? I'm like, yeah, shit, of course. Like, how could I not? So I think I love kind of underdogs. The Big Three is kind of an underdog league, but like off kilter, like, you know, but give you some supplemental basketball content done in a professional way so just a big fan of it definitely love what they're doing i'm fortunate that they obviously couldn't bring the league back due to the pandemic but excited to see where, where the league goes in 2021 i'm sure they'll figure out some way to bring it back for next summer and i think it'll be right around the time hopefully you know if, if the leadership that takes over can get us in the right direction around the time that we can all maybe we'll probably still have to wear masks but at least we can all be in an arena together, you know, sharing, yeah. sharing moments and, you know, you know, being able to cheer, just kind of feeding off that energy again. Yeah. And so then in terms of the future of the big three, are there any, this is another question that we love to ask guys, are there any guys sort of any of your favorite players you would love to see join the league? I mean, I had this dream obviously before Kobe passed away, but you get the Kobe Shaq. And then like Lamar Odom, just throw somebody. I mean, you know, I mean, just throw throw a wild crew together. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you know that you know that that that's not, that's not gonna be the case. But I don't know, man. I love just I love for me just seeing those guys that still love hoop and still take it serious, still have a way to go out there and do it. So I'm a big fan of everybody. Of course, I'd love to see LeBron there one day. You know, yeah. deep down the line, like you know, get LeBron and AD back together in retirement and have them just dominate the big three for a bunch of years. But all those, I mean, for me, it's always like, you know, for whatever reason, like you guys know our Hoops fans, like you develop like just like players that you love. They may not be the best player, the worst player, like guys like Alex Caruso that may not be, you know, they may not be in the Hall of Fame, but just do what you roll with. For me, it was like, you know, Mark Madsen and Slava Medvedenko and just random people like that back in the day, like, you know, Yinka Dari, just, ran, just random humans, but that you roll with and you ride with. So to get have those people, you know, that caliber of dudes in retirement, be able to have a second life, I think is, is awesome. So. I'm rocking with it. I hope, I hope just, you know, the league sustains and they keep kind of growing and building that fan base. Yeah, 2019 was the summer of Joe Johnson. And I think, you know, you could also say it was also the summer of Josiah Johnson. I feel like you were an accelerator to what the league was doing, you know, or I don't know if people call you Joe, but, you know, Joe Johnson, Joe Johnson. So uh, I think 2019, there was a lot of good things and I'm expecting a lot of big things in 2021. And hey, 
we got one of those three. We got Lamar in there. I know it was only for a brief time, but you know, I know that before the 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 league decided to kind of suspend the year, I know that he was expecting to come back. So hopefully, you know, we see him back in 2021. I know he's at looking to to prove people wrong, you know, and and how even prove the league wrong and how you know everything went about. But oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, Elo, Elo, one of my favorite players ever, one of the most versatile dudes, but just a, a good dude. I remember that that candy segment they did on ESPN during the finals one year, where it's just like <laughs> the obscene amount of candy the duties. And it's like now the NBA is not testing for weed. I only, I only wish you know in his time that wouldn't have been the case because I think everybody watched that knew why he was eating so much candy and making you know, <laughs> it was funny shit ever. But that dude could play pretty much any position. You know, literally came up as a point guard. So even getting to watch him in like high school and in college, like shit, bro. Like <laughs> that guy's the man. Yeah, sick. And I'm. It's cool that the NBA is doing that. I know the big three. You know, is a big proprietor of, of CBD and and kind of the player empowerment movement as well. And that's something I really love about the league and how they just continue to progress. You know, now they're lowering the age limit here. So younger guys can join, you know, Will and I have speculated a lot, you know, is, is this potentially a route that college seniors who go undrafted? Is this a route they take to maybe jump to the NBA and, and follow Joe Johnson and, and the same way he did and go into the Pistons. So, you know, we'll see in 2021. Uh, hopefully we get that reality show too. I know you can get a lot of good stuff out of there. I mean, I think you get a crew of dudes who are literally at a point in their lives where they don't really give a fuck. Like, they're, you know, they're <laughs> that's the other thing, too. And to your point, the league has been super supportive of marijuana. I think anytime you go to a game, you, you know firsthand what's going down. Like, you know, they're, they're transforming. They're hotboxing NBA stadiums. So there's, that's a, a, you know, a big bonus and plus of the league as well. But, you know, sure. I'm just, I'm, I'm excited for the future and I hope that they can keep it all together, man. Because I think, you know, we're going to need it. I think we've all been kind of, locked in the house or most of us some of us haven't been doing whatever the fuck they want unfortunately but most of us have been locked in the house so we were going to need that release as soon as we're able to kind of go do it whatever you know whatever the criteria is mass social distance whatever like let me just scream in a stadium some more talk some <laughs> shit or drink a beer just like you know the, the, the simple things yeah it's gonna be wild yeah, for sure so you know the internet and i think nba twitter has dubbed you as, as the meme king obviously because of the content you produce and how you build your own brand and be able you know, put out enjoyable content here. Looking back you know, on the past few you've done over the few years, I mean, what do you feel like, is there a meme that is your favorite that you've posted that would go you know, top five? And is there one that you wish maybe you could go back and be like, ah, I wish I could have done that differently. I wish I would have waited a little bit to post that one. Um, one I would have done differently. I'll answer that one first. I did a boys in the hood, like Clippers Lakers thing a while ago, but it was like, uh, the scene where they, they meet on, on Crenshaw and then it's like the rival gangs and dude ends up shooting. I remember that. I remember that tweet. Yeah. So, so my biggest regret is I didn't put the Kawhi laugh underneath him doing that. <laughs> I was in, a, I was kind of frantic. Like I'll get excited when I'm making these memes sometimes and like, just forget like little key. Cause I think for me, like this is like that one little key thing sometimes that'll just take it over the top. So that's the one there. And then I think the one that really set it off for me was, um, I'm trying to think, probably my favorite one. It was more just, uh, so I did a, a couple of songs. I did a song called Bronze Plan, which basically was a meme or a parody of, of Drake's God's Plan. So when that dropped, I was super excited about that. I was a little, like the song was great, but the production on it was, was absolutely garbage. I think I did it on my phone or some <laughs> shit. So then when AD came to the Lakers, I did one uh, using Cubes. Uh, Today was a good day, but called it 80s on the way. But actually did some high level production for that. Got got my friend Shay, who's a, a big time DJ music artist. She cut it together for me and, and put it together. So that I think did a couple million views. But that was one like, you know, Shannon Sharp, like Cube, like it was just Kyle Kuzma, just like the amount of people who, who reacted and responded to it was like, all right. I think for me, I think that shows the world too. Cause these things, like some of these things only take me, you know, generally I try to be 10 minutes or less if it's a song or shit like that. Obviously that, that'll, that may, that's a longer gig, but when you put them out and you see the reaction that they get and you see the way, like I do this shit in a vacuum, right? So I'm, I'm trying to guess if, th if this is funny or not. Like I don't really show a lot of people my work till I put it out. So I'm writing the song, doing all this shit or, or putting a meme together. And I don't really get to show anybody till I drop it. So I've had, this is the thing, you know, I'll share with you guys. Like I had a period probably like 20, like 2019, like February, March, where I was trying to do like voiceover videos, just testing out a bunch of different material, but was just getting my ass handed to me. Like fucking Twitter was just fucking, you know, SpongeBob memes, tomatoes, like fuck whatever you name it, whatever the slander was, I was eating that shit every every single day. But it was was still getting a lot of love and shit too. But it was kind of like, you know, I'm glad they didn't have like the quote tweet feature then where you can see how many quote tweets a tweet has. Oh god, yeah. I don't even want to go back and look now just because 
but it made me mentally tough and it made me realize every time I got I come to the plate, I gotta come with some fucking fire shit or I'm like, I'm gonna get embarrassed, right? The Twitter Twitter doesn't give a fuck. Like if, if you're not funny, they will quickly fucking tell you and rip you to shreds. Like they have no heart. Like I love Nate Robinson. Nate Robinson gets knocked out by Jake Paul. Fucking all hell is going, you know, it's going to break loose. These oh are just, my god. Yeah. These are just the, this is a, this is the, the game, and it's not like and everybody's like, oh, I think Floyd Mayweather was like, well, you know, don't pick on Nate. He's a great dude. It's like nobody's picking on Nate. We love Nate. If Nate would have knocked out Jake Paul, had Jake Paul knock out memes ready to go, more of those <laughs> than Nate. To be real, because I was fucking riding with yeah. Nate, but yeah. we just see like those moments, like they'll make whole people just break character. People like even at higher levels now, celebrities, whatever, will see that shit. And normally in years past, where they would have just kept it quiet, like even they're firing <laughs> a meme off, like oh shit, like you know what I mean. But so you just see the even way the Curry, game, Curry was getting in on it. You know, that was the, the most yeah. surprising thing to me when Curry was getting in. Donovan on it. Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell was going in. Bad. I mean, I, I was honestly shocked to see some of the dudes in the NBA community. I was like, I know a lot of people were riding with Nate, but. Like you said, Twitter is ruthless, man. I mean, it doesn't matter. I play. It, it really doesn't matter, you know, if, like if you're trying to bring – whatever you're posting to Twitter, it's got to be what you're going for. Funny, dramatic, serious, whatever, because if it's not, like you said, they'll hand it to you. Like I play with Matt Barnes at UCLA. Matt has been – you know, Matt, like you said, you, you love the Derek Fisher episode. The thing I love about Matt is Matt is so – he doesn't give a fuck about it. You know, none, none of this shit can get to him. Like he knows the things that are important to him, his family, his kids. Like he knows, he knows what, what's important to him. So he doesn't let it bother him. But he made a video for Nate after it happened. Basically just like, look, you're going to get roasted. Just, it is what it is. We still love you. And I think that's a sentiment. Like some of these memes, like I tell people, like, cause people will be like, oh man, like you're an asshole. Woo, woo, woo. But I'm like, yo, I react, I'm reactionary. Like if LeBron loses, I have memes for LeBron losing. He's my favorite player ever. I don't want to post them. Of course, yeah. but the game is the game. Like people need entertainment. I think that's one of the reasons people respect me because they know, you know, like I got Clippers fans and some Warriors fans on my neck now, but it's like whoever's deserving of slander will get slander. If LeBron is deserving of slander, he will get slandered. Like that, that's just the, the rules and regulations of the game. So, you know, thankfully he, the Lakers win championships, so that doesn't happen. But if the Clippers <laughs> blow a 3-1 lead, we're going to address this. It's going to be brought up to the end of time. We're still telling Warriors jokes, and they did that shit four years ago. Like, it's, it, it, it never goes away. I'll tell Warriors blew a 3-1 lead jokes probably on my deathbed. One of my last dying words would be a Warriors 3-1 joke. Like, because why? Because this shit is funny. I mean, that's life. I had a sign in my dorm room that said uh, Warriors blew a 3-1 lead. And I would look at it every morning, and I said, if the Warriors can blow a 3-1 lead, I can do anything. And that was my motivation. That's how I got hyped. <laughs> But that's the truth, but it is. <laughs> Bro, when LeBron it. won that championship, I don't think I've ever, and to, to your point, that was the summer before Legends came out, and it was kind of fucked up because LeBron won, and it's like anything's possible, and then, like, you're right, motherfucker, like four years later or, like, a couple months later, Trump wins, and it's like, oh, shit. Like, like anything really is possible. <laughs> like, we said that. We really fucking meant, like, anything is possible. Like, so, but to see that happen, and, yeah, like, we still talk about that shit now. So I think there's a lot of sensitive fan bases out there and I used to be at that too, but if you're in the NBA Twitter community, there's going to be slander heralded away. Some of my best friends are Clippers fans, Warriors fans, like Warriors World, you know, one of my best friends, like, you know what I mean, on the social game. We hit each other all the time. Like, you know, I may put up a, a tweet making fun of the Warriors. He'll fucking respond back, but he also knows, like, when they won a championship, I had to fucking rock a Warriors World shirt because I had to pay respect to the fucking OGs. Like, that's, yep. that's how the game works, so. Sensitivity has definitely increased uh, here in the the new era of 2020, but it never gets old to, to see when someone get roasted for something that, that goes down that you're just not expecting. Like that Nate fight, just, you know, I don't want to harp on it too much, but a little bit unexpected, you know? I mean, I know that Jake Paul had the, the size advantage or whatever, and but, you know, you're just thinking world-class athlete. He's always the underdog. He's always proving people wrong. I really thought Nate was going to go out there and do something just a little bit more. This is the thing. If Nate was fighting him in like UFC style or whatever, I think Nate probably gives him that work, even though he's three inches, just because he's like a pit bull dog and he's going to be relentless. When you get into like the technical side of boxing, like Jake Paul does that. You know what I mean? Like he's, yeah. he trains, he's, he lives the boxer lifestyle. So when he's coming to the ring, it's as a boxer. So, you know, Nate kind of learned quickly, like, you know, you don't have a reach size advantage, weight advantage. Like, what are you supposed to do out there? So yeah. I'm, I'm kudos to him for even taking the fight, but also like, why the fuck do you take the fight? Like, <laughs> You just had Jake Paul and uh, Dunfate there, didn't you? Yeah, we brought him on. We had him on uh, a couple months ago, and I remember I, I asked him because I was just like, you know, I know, I know this pre-LeBron winning a championship, but I know like, you know, who wants to fight LeBron? I just want to try and stir some shit. But thankfully, Jake was smart and he he, he backed up. And obviously, LeBron got like eight inches on him and fucking like you know six, yeah. seventy pounds. So I don't think, yeah, I don't think that'd be a fight anybody would want to watch. 
Except for nah. maybe Nate Robinson. <laughs> well, now he's calling out Connor McGregor and stuff, so we'll see, you know, if he's really about that life for sure. Ooh, I mean, that'll, that'll be interesting. <laughs> that would be fun to watch. That would be. That would Taylor got $50 from me. I know that. Like, I could have <laughs> I I got the illegal feed. I could have did all the stuff that people do on the internet where they don't want to pay for shit. I was like, no, nah, I got to pay for this shit. Like, this is, yeah. I got to have respect. Because this shit is, this is some of the best, most entertaining. It was like versus, but these dudes were fighting each other. It was awesome. Like, what, what else do you want? That Snoop alone was worth the $50. Man, 100%. That was a great night on the internet. I, I wasn't even going well, into like I'm a, I'm a tweet about this shit, but it was just like, wait, Nate Robinson's fighting, and this can go a lot of different ways. So let me just <laughs> let me just monitor the situation because this thing might go, and then then it happened. It's like, damn, Snoop should have got that Roma <laughs> contract after that after that fight. He was killing. I it. think I'm. Don't be surprised you see Snoop calling games, calling big three games down the line. I think he's going to, you know, I wouldn't say it'd be far-fetched for him to join somebody's announcing staff or like once a week do like Lakers games on Spectrum or whatever. You know I mean? I, I can see it in the cards for this dude because we need that perspective. We just need somebody just talking shit and having a good time. He's done Kings games in the past, right? Did LA Kings for a little bit? He did. I think maybe Kings done like Lakers. He's, he's showed up on like local broadcasts. Mm-hmm. Like a Lakers Spurs guy, I think maybe back in That's the day, awesome. but like he, he's popped up every once in a while, but it's always for like four or five minutes, you know, just yeah. kind of a, you know, second quarter, third quarter, not really like a key point in the game type of deal. Like I want to see him like, you know, last shot, like lining up, like I need to see what yeah. Snoop's call is. Yeah. 100%. So Will and I, you know, we're obviously Hoops fans, you know, we, we have our NBA teams or from more so for me, it's NBA players that, that we really love. And we, and we keep track of it throughout the season because we're looking for, you know, maybe some older guys or, or guys that we think have potential for the big three. And we obviously have the, the season coming up at, at a different time. Look, going into the season with it coming up here in a few weeks, you know, in the NBA, do you have a dark horse team that you're kind of intrigued by or you really like to make maybe a, a run further than expected? I mean, look, we look at what the Suns were able to do in the bubble and they would seem to be with CP3 coming and just kind of what he brings to the table and him getting booked, I think, and Aiden to a whole new level if they can, you know, if their relationships are good and things like that. Suns, to me, I think Blazers, obviously, they fortified and got tough. Like, a lot of teams made a lot of moves, and I think we were all kind of focused on Lakers, Clippers, which Clippers, you know, they were up 3-1. Like, Clippers faced the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. Who knows what happens? I think as Lakers fans, yeah, we were happy to have to duck that fade. Not, not to, you know, we didn't have to – like, wait, we don't even have to play the Clippers now? What? This is, like, <laughs> the matchup we're all anticipating but, never happened. Yeah. So, but, you know, so you're still talking about a Kawhi and a PG who are, literally have something to prove now and a chip on their shoulder. You got Giannis in the East who's literally going to be pissed off and bitter. Let's see what the Bucks are able to do. You know, hopefully he, he kind of maintains his focus and doesn't, you know, and, and can lead that team back to where they deserve to be. Because, again, you're talking about, you know, the teams, the marquee matchup, I think, you know, it was going to be – I don't want to say anybody hope for I think everybody probably hoped for Lakers Bucks, but Clippers Bucks was what on paper was supposed to be. And those teams didn't get worse. I would say like, you know, they still have, you know, they still made improvements. Like bringing a back into the Clippers is a fucking huge get, you know, replacing Trez who came to the Lakers, us losing Dwight. And I know Trez is kind of supposed to, but Dwight, I don't think, you know, is a beast. Like what six eleven, like what he was doing on the court, literally punking dudes, like, you know, getting in dudes heads, like, and he only do it for 15, 20 minutes. So even got in foul trouble. It's like no big deal, but I think for me, the Suns kind of, you know, the Suns are Blazers of that team. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't count out the Rockets just for what, you know, I'm curious to see what John Wall Harden looks like together. You know, I think they're not, they're not Steph and Clay, obviously, in terms of like shooting prowess and ability, but in terms of bucket getting and what they can potentially accomplish as two dudes spacing out the floor. Like, I think I'm curious and interested to see what that would look like. Don't know if it'll, you know, if it'll get them over the hump, but. I'm just excited man, to see basketball again. I don't think, you know, for me, the Lakers, I'm a big Lakers guy. I don't think we see the Lakers finish first in the West this year, but not because they're not the best team, just because I don't anticipate LeBron and AD really kind of getting things together till, you know, late January, February, then maybe even after like the first break. But, you know, we're going to see this, this season is going to be completely fucked up and, and crazy because they're not going to be in a bubble. I mean, we're looking at how COVID's kind of fucking up the NFL and they're only playing one game a week. Where you're talking about three games, you know, what happens now if, you know, five guys on the team end up getting it and now you can only bring out seven, you know, it's like what 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 caliber and quality of basketball are they willing to stoop to to basically fulfill the TV contract? Like we've already seen it on the NFL side, and those are weekly games where, you know, I think it was like Kendall Hinton starting yeah. for the Broncos. 
You know what I mean? It's just like, you know, nobody needs to be put in a position like that. Like, it's not fair to him. It's not fair to the team. It's not fair to fans who are, you know, paying money. It's not fair to the TV and advertisers either. But I understand, like, they got to they gotta run it. They got to get their bag. So we'll see how it pans out. Hoping everybody stays safe and healthy and we get this vaccine moving and shaking. But even still, like, you know, the Rona yeah. is the Rona. Yeah, it's yeah, tough. That's true. I mean, it's, it was even tough watching that Steelers-Ravens game on a Wednesday. We'll probably never talk about another Wednesday football game ever again. Yeah, I'm, honestly, I was just thinking as that was going on, like, it's funny you say that because as that game happened, it was like, you know, before before it was like Monday, Thursday, you know, Saturday, Sunday were like NFL days. Now it's like you can get this shit <laughs> any point. Like, I forget what college – co- like, somebody used to play on Wednesdays fucking uh, – Used to be the match uh, Conference. The match. Yeah, uh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think they still do, but it's like now you're getting fucking – you're getting that type of, it's just like the league is just giving you anything. I remember it was like 1230 in the afternoon on the Pacific. And I'm like, wait, the game started? I'm thinking my head is like 340 Pacific, which was still early. I'm like, oh, damn, it's 1240 in the shit time? Like, this is embarrassing. I know motherfuckers want to watch Dr. Phil or whatever they want to watch that comes on there. You got a lot of pissed off, like, you know, LA and Dr. Phil fans. Like, wait, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> That's funny. All right, so so the big thing that I wanted to talk to you about was I talked about Anthony already knows where I'm going with this. Um, I talked we had on our good friend Liam last week. Liam's father wrote for Boy Meets World and Girl Meets World. Okay. So I had to pitch sort of this television idea to him, but I feel like now that you're here, it would behoove me not to get your opinion on it as someone who's been in the show business game. Let me know if if you think this is going to be a success or not. So my mentality is basically this, all of the, or a lot of the really uh, successful things in Hollywood right now are stuff that was brought back for like nostalgia, right? So like we got Star Wars, they're bringing back, uh, you know, I think like there's a Power Rangers reboot coming on, only the only difference is now it's gritty, right? Now it's for adults. So for me, I know one of my favorite shows going on right now is The Mandalorian, right? And it's sort of like Star Wars, but it's gritty and but like not really, you know, for kids, but you know, everybody loves it. It's been super successful. And for me, my favorite thing growing up was Pokemon. So I think if you made this sort of Mandalorian-esque Pokemon show, like I, I detailed, I said, I think we pan in first episode of this like nice village in the mountains. And then all of a sudden a Charizard just comes down and burns the whole thing down, or maybe just like this little lake village. And then like a Gyarados pops up and just completely, you know, ruins everything. And then you know, these people are dealing with these, like, basically these unstoppable monsters just, like, running around, I think it would be extremely successful. Well, I mean, you're on the right path. Pokemon, obviously, is a humongous, humongous, humongous uh, entity. I think, you know, the game and, and, uh, and all the, the accidents that were caused with people on their phone, you know, you know, getting hit by cars and all types of crazy shit. So definitely a land for it. I, I would be, if you, you should probably reach out to whoever the production company is because you're giving away this information. I know somebody is going to watch this pod and, and write it down and you're going to see your show. You're yeah. going to see your Pokemon show. So definitely, I think, get on that as quick as possible. Okay. If, if, I, if this thing starts getting going and I'm hiring a writing staff, are you interested in the head writing position? I would, I would definitely be interested. <laughs> all right. So Hit me up. Let me know. Let That's me know. all I needed to hear. That's all I needed to hear. Now go get I it. This man's about to start posting more Pokemon content than he is Big Three content. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Shift to no, the Pokemon. About to completely rebrand the page. It'll be Pokey Pokey News, and Pokemon movie <laughs> trailers and stuff. All right. all right. So we obviously had the holidays coming up. You know, we probably just had the biggest biggest sales on the internet it's just this past weekend with COVID and everything, keeping everybody inside. Figured I asked this biggest steal. Do you have any any great deals that you got from Black Friday, Cyber Monday this past? I mean, this past. I bought. Week, I so I've been. So I, I was really uh, packing on the pounds uh, prior to like March 2020. So I, I used the the pandemic to refocus and revitalize. So I got like a lot of like workout gear. So I got a bunch of stuff from Nike that was appropriately priced. It was nice to get some good come ups. I've also been doing a, a thing where I just buy like you know random people on social who I see like that that have products or merch or things like that. So. Just been grabbing a bunch of like cool sweatshirts, but also got some relationships with some some spots like uh, Golden Knight Graphics, who does a lot of Lakers theme content, and Can't Beat LA, who does does a lot of like Lakers Dodgers, like cool, like just fucking cool ass shit, man, like cool ass sweatshirt shirts and all types of stuff. So, like Golden Knight Graphics, every time you post a design, he'll like post a design, but I was available Friday, and it's like, all right, take my money now, like stop wasting my time. <laughs> what are we doing? 
I'm sold. Like, where can I give you money? Like, how mm -hmm. soon can I get this? So for me, it's like just to support like people that are coming up in the game and to see them kind of follow their trajectory kind of the same way that, that I've been able to use social to build up my stuff. So I like to support people in that space and try and be in as like, you know, supportive as possible and help them out whenever I can and take some of the bags, kind of like a Robin Hood for social, like take the bags I get from gigs and then redistribute it back to the social media creators and content people like that. Out there that, yeah, that's dope. that are out here getting I think we've seen a lot of that in 2020, especially um, with everything going on. I know a lot of people were supporting Black-owned businesses and in small businesses, and I just think that's really cool and everything. Uh, last thing before you go, I know you mentioned you had a couple projects going on. Anything you can talk about or anything you got in the works that you, you want to tell listeners or maybe people watching this? Or is it on the uh, yeah, make sure... Make sure you check out Colin in Black and White. I don't know when it's coming out, obviously, with the pandemic, but, you know, it's going to be stellar, stellar, stellar television. Got some other stuff in the works. I'll just tell you guys that. I got a couple of animated projects, a couple of dramas, and, and, and obviously some comedy. So hoping that some of these things take off soon, working with some some really talented people and, and some, some big-name people in the game, and, and hopeful that we can get it out because we're super excited to show the world what we've been cooking up. 100%. Well, we appreciate your time. We'll be on the lookout for all that stuff and, and we appreciate you joining us and hopefully maybe we can run this back again when the big three season's going on. Maybe we got a, another Ricky Davis, Brandon Rush type meme on the way here. Let me know, fellas. I'm, I'm down to come back on whatever. Long live the big three. <laughs> Just don't do the yes, OG Ricky, Ricky Davis like that again. We got to get maybe <laughs> someone new in there. <laughs> Bro, no disrespect to Ricky. He's one of my favorite hoopers ever, so I hate it had to be him. He's still a legend. Everybody, everybody rock with Ricky. Yeah, just synced up too nicely. Well, we appreciate you again and look forward to see what you got going. All right, thanks, fellas. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.